Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A 50,000-watt orange and black home of the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati's ESPN 1530. This is Cincy 360, about Cincinnati, from Cincinnati. This is ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Oh, there it is, hour number two, kicking off the only way we can on this Valentine's Day. As pitchers and catchers are reporting to Goodyear, Arizona. <laughs> we got to go straight to the source. The Locked on Reds podcast. Jeff Carr, friend of the show, joins us right now with our first in-depth dive to the Cincinnati Reds this year. I think Jeff is the only guest we've ever had on who has also produced Cincy 360. How about this? How about this? Yes, sir. And I could say my favorite producer ever of Cincy 360. Maybe James Rapine. I don't know. These locked-on guys are tough. I could say my favorite favorite ever producer of Cincy 360. Uh, Jeff Carr, outside of Jimmy the Tulip. Uh, Jeff, what's going on, man? Well, I appreciate the kind words there, Tony. Happy pitchers and catchers reporting. I know there's something else happening today, but that's not near as important. No, oh oh no. This is, this is a big day, and it comes with a lot of questions, especially from a fan base point of view, because I hear more than anything else, I don't want to talk about the Reds. I don't want to hear about the Reds. And the Bengals uh, had a lot to do with that, the success that they had. FC Cincinnati Xavier, Cincinnati, all of these things combined. Jeff, why why should people be excited and look forward to this year for the Cincinnati Reds? Because the stock that's only been going down for a couple of years, Tony, is about to start climbing. Now, I'm not going to say they're a playoff team this year, but they're going to be a lot more fun. You're going to see the future progression in the right direction. Tell me, tell me why the, the name Ellie De La Cruz is talked about all the time with the Cincinnati Reds. What would be something that would hold the Reds back from bringing Ellie De La Cruz on right at the start? There's two things, really, and it. it would be a rough spring for Ellie De La Cruz, although he has shown the ability to adapt quickly to new levels. I mean, he got brought up to AA right at the end of July last year, And for a week, he kind of adjusted. And then in the month of August, he was the Southern League player of the month. He was the best player in the league for the entire month of August. So he is the kind of guy that maybe if his adjustment is slow in spring training and they say, okay, we want to see him in AAA. And then the other thing is what is Jose Barrero going to do? Because we have heard over the winter months and him playing over, uh, you know, in, in different countries and things like that, that he has made a lot of adjustments. He's changed up his swing. He's changed up his stance and that they have produced results. Now it's in small sample sizes in leagues that have less talent that he's going to face in the major leagues. So there's still plenty of questions to be answered for him. But if Jose Barrero can come out of the gate really, really strong, the Reds will not feel any sort of pressure to call Ellie De La Cruz up 
as early as a lot of us are thinking it's going to happen. Give me give me a name or maybe names that an average Reds fan may not be familiar with right now, but as the season gets underway, could become one of those household names here in Cincinnati. The first guy on that list is a dude who spent the entire month of September with the big league club last year and should be this team's everyday third baseman, and that is Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer has the plate discipline of a grizzled veteran, and he admitted that whenever he was first brought up last season, he tried to do too much. He was trying to overswing. He was trying to hit the ball over the Ohio River. And still he got on base at a clip that was one of the top three if you don't consider how much of the season they actually played. He was one of the best on-base guys for the team. So he is going to be a very valuable part of this lineup. And then another guy that I look at is a guy they just traded for, and that's Will Benson. Guy coming over from the Guardians, he was a first-round pick. He has Adam Dunn-like power. We're talking about a guy who could hit the tundra, right? We, we, we've always talked about who's the guy that could actually hit the tundra in this organization. Well, they got a guy, and he is going to be the kind of guy who also has – he eats pitches for breakfast. Like, he has long at-bats, really is a nuisance for pitchers. He's the kind of guy that when you hear about, okay, he's got a lot of power, but so did Aristides Aquino. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, totally different from Aristides Aquino. Plus, he's got Aquino's arm. So defensively, he should play very well and can play center field. So I think that he is going to take off and be an important part to this. I'm really looking at Spencer Steer and Will Benson as two names that play, that people do not know now, but will know probably by the middle of April. What about some of the question marks going in? And not, not from a player standpoint, but from a health standpoint. Joey Votto coming off injury. Tyler Stevenson coming off injury. Jonathan India went through a lot of injuries uh, last year. We just found the news last week. TJ Antone is, is going to be pushed back. From a health standpoint, where are you hearing, where are you seeing this team as the season will get underway? The two, probably the two most important players on the roster in Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson are healthy, which is great news because those are the guys that are going to lead this team. And the pitchers and Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft, all healthy. So that's awesome to hear. You you want TJ Antone to have a bounce back. And if we can see pre-injury TJ Antone added to a bullpen that already has Alexis Diaz and a resurgent and, and healthy Lucas Sims, then you are talking about a very interesting bullpen. Plus, you have Tony Santion coming back from injury. Like, there's a lot of guys that in the bullpen, if they do pan out and if they can come back healthy, this bullpen could be – right around the middle of the pack, maybe even top half of the league. Last season at the end of the year, we we talked about how the bullpen kind of snuck past a lot of people and they weren't as bad as everybody thought. Well, now you're getting more talent back if if they come back healthy. So the bullpen could be very, very interesting. And then, and and that's why they didn't really make any moves. I know a lot of people kind of were like, hey, why don't you sign anybody? It's because they feel like they're getting a lot of folks back. And then you look at Joey Votto, um, reports are, you know, he's probably not going to practice at the beginning of camp because he's still rehabbing that shoulder. Uh, I would really hate to see him not uh, play on opening day, especially with the whole idea of this could be his last season as a Red and him missing opening day would be a, a total bummer. 
But the, the logical side of this, the flip side of this, is that you do not want to push him mm-hmm. because when he is healthy, he is going to rake. I firmly – I mean, think about this. Last season, he essentially played with one arm, and he still had 11 home runs. I don't know a human being alive that could play with one arm and hit that many home runs in Major League Baseball. So for him to come back healthy could be just absolute gold for this lineup. Let me ask you, let me go in a little bit more on the the Joey Votto piece of this. There's so many interesting storylines as this season goes because it could be the last run here in Cincinnati for Joey Votto. Do you firmly believe that he has multiple years of quality baseball left? And even if not, or if so, do you think that this is the last year that we see Joey Votto as a Cincinnati Red? I think he's got two years left of good baseball. I think he could win the Comeback Player of the Year award this season and still have pretty good power numbers next year. The The thing of it is, I just have never – I've learned to never doubt mm-hmm. Joey Votto because when we thought he was done after a bad 2019 and a bad 2020, he bounced back in 2021. And now we're like, oh, he's got this surgery and it's going to be tough and father time and all this other stuff. Right. I'm not going to doubt him until he comes back and he's he's hitting, you know, 210 with more strikeouts than you could shake a stick at or something like that. I, I just don't see it. And I think that he's the kind of guy that he is absolutely a stud until, you know, proven otherwise. And with that, I think that he is going to force – the Reds hand a little bit. Do I think they'll pick up his option? No, but I think there'll be a case that could be made that they turn that option into some sort of structured deal that keeps him here on not necessarily 20 million. Maybe they could do sort of a discounted rate and then, you know, deferred money and all this other stuff. You know, something like Ken Griffey Jr. Gotcha. Uh, Jeff Carr, the locked on Reds podcast, the, the pitching staff, you're only going to go as far as, as that pitching staff is, is going to take you. And we know the name's Hunter Green. We know Nick Lodolo. What else is in store for this pitching staff? Uh, can this be a, a – and I don't think the dominant staff is going to be – can they be a solid pitching staff in the National League this year? It's going to be based on the young guys who step up. Because I think we know what we have when it comes to – Luis Sessa and Connor Overton and, and Justin Dunn and stuff like that. And Justin Dunn could still surprise me, but I think that his best value is going to be out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. But when we look at guys like Brandon Williamson, Levi Stout, uh, two guys that came over from the Mariners in different trades, you've, you've got dark horses like Andrew Abbott, who has rose through the organization and is a little bit different from some of the other pitchers that you hear about. Like you hear about, you know, young pitchers that can throw over 100 miles an hour. Andrew Abbott throws low to mid-90s, but still has the strikeout numbers of flamethrowers. And he has decent command as well. So there's going to be some guys that get the opportunity at different points in the year. I'm not sure who's going to be in the opening day rotation. But as you know, I mean, unless it's the year 2012 when the Reds literally used five starting pitchers and Todd Redman for one start – there's going to be turnover due to injury. So there's going to be some guys that get opportunities throughout the season uh, that are going to be rookies that the question mark is, can they live up to their potential? And if they do, then this pitching staff could be very interesting indeed. And and like you said, the, the, 
the pitching staff is going to hinge on the health and the continued progression of the top three guys. But the fourth and the fifth spot in the rotation is going to be a fluid thing all year long. And who can really take the reins there? There's not a, not really a surefire uh, dude who's kind of coming up right now. Uh, I feel like this question gets asked every offseason. I feel like this name gets brought up every offseason. Where are you? Where do you see the organization being at right now with a guy like Nick Senzel, who we've just waited and waited and waited, and seemingly there hasn't been that payoff yet? Uh, is this the year for Nick Senzel? Is it uh, time to make a decision on Nick Senzel? Where are you at with him? This is it. Yeah, uh, I think that 2023 is, is the year for him to sink or swim. And they've already kind of, not necessarily hamstrung him, but they've already challenged him a lot by acquiring Will Benson. Mm-hmm. Will Benson being a left-handed hitter, and he doesn't have an extensive experience facing lefty pitching, you're probably going to see Nixon's old platoon with him. He's going to you know, play center field against left-handed pitchers. And they may, because remember at the end of the year, they kicked around the idea of turning Nixon Zell into a super utility player. Usually when you do that, that means that you don't think that he's going to be very good at center field anymore yeah. based on the other options that you have. So they've already dared him to prove them wrong about their position on Nixon Zell. Can he still do it? He absolutely has the talent to. And I still think that there's a small shot that he is a late bloomer and, and he plays well this season. The only problem is I think he's got to play so well. Like we're probably talking about, you know, 280, 290, sure. you know, an on-base percentage close to 35%. And it, it, those feel like numbers that are almost out of his reach. And, and it's a bummer to say that because at one point he was looked at like Ellie De La Cruz is looked at now is the kind of guy that's going to change this franchise. And at this point, I think that the only value he would have, because I've seen some folks say, well, well, you trade him, right? The only value he's got is he's going to bring back another guy that's just like him. Right. A, a sink or swim, make or break, change of uh, scenery type dude. So I don't see that happening at all. So this is going to be a year where the Reds dare him to change their perception. And if he doesn't, then you know I, I, I could see him being a guy that they might cut next year. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say when when folks ask about uh, expectations? Because I feel like that's one of the hardest things right now with this organization is, okay, what is the legitimate expectation for this organization? Is it to go out and compete and try to win an NL Central, which seems like a, an obvious uh, pipe dream at this point? Is it uh, to, to show sign? What, like where, where do you set an expectation when you look at this Reds team right now, because I think that's where a lot of people are at. I don't think, I don't think people legitimately know right now what to think when it comes to, to this team, to this organization and and really what to feel or what to expect. I think we as Reds fans should expect them to have a direction at every position by the end of the year. What do we know at shortstop? What do we know in center field? What do we know at third base? Like the, the, this is the season where the wins and losses may not necessarily inspire us, but the performances by the individual players should, mm-hmm. or we should at least know, okay, this guy's not going to pan out. They got to go out and get somebody. This guy's not going to pan out or, or this guy is going to work 
And so we can build our team around this guy. Because at this point, there's just too many positions where you're like, okay, we hope that a prospect can kind of take the reins here. And I don't think that we're looking at guys like Will Myers or – or Jake Fraley, really, even. I think Jake Fraley is kind of a fourth outfielder on a good team. And and I think that overall you've got to know what you have. So it's hard to say that, you know, a specific wins and losses, I've seen them projected to win 70 games. Um, We've seen, you know, ESPN talking about them losing more games than they ever have in the history of the franchise. So it's very obvious that there is a wide range of outcomes that, you know, very few people even think that they have a shot at the playoffs. But even, you know, Zips, which is uh, part of Fangraphs, has them as a 2% chance of making the playoffs. And you're like, well, hey, you know, at least there's, there's a, chance, a chance, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there, there, there's a super wide range of outcomes. And that's all because literally just about every position outside of um, – and, and even there's a small question mark at catcher because it's like, all right, the Reds have done a good job of alleviating the need to play Tyler Stevenson every single day behind the plate. But still, what's that mean whenever Tyler Stevenson is at the DH spot or he's playing first base? What's catcher look like? What's Kirk Casale and Luke Maley look like behind the plate? So there's so many question marks. How many of them are answered by the end of the year? And I guess with all those question marks, if it makes one thing, it makes spring training more interesting than in years past, right? Because there are 100%. so many different things. You go into spring training normally, it's like, well, I already kind of know who's going to be here. This seems like it's a wide-open spring training for the Reds. Yes, this is the most interesting spring training that I can remember because not only are you talking about position battles galore, but we are also going to see a lot of prospects, a lot of guys who you know, you'll, you'll hear about us talk about on Locked on Reds or you'll hear about different publications writing about these, you know, prospects and people are tired of the word prospects, but we're going to see those guys play this spring. Who is Christian Encarnacion Strand? Who is Matt McClain? Who is Brandon Williamson? What can these guys bring to the table? You're going to be able to see it and you're going to be able to hear it um, on the radio broadcast and on the television broadcast as we go through a normal spring train. The first time the Reds have had normal spring training since 2019 and that in and of itself is very exciting. Awesome stuff. Jeff Carr, the Locked on Reds podcast. Jeff, what's the easiest way, as we now get into it, pitchers and catchers reporting, what's the easiest way to follow along with everything you got going on for the Reds? We will be coming at you five days a week on the podcast. You can find us anywhere you get your audio podcasts, including iHeartRadio. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just search Locked on Reds, and you can follow – me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three S, and you can follow my co-host Steve Offenbaker at S Offenbaker with two S. Love it, Jeff. Appreciate your time. I look forward to catching up more and more as the uh, the Reds get closer and closer to this season. Appreciate your time as always, man. Absolutely, Tony. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, sir. All right, Austin. There you go. That is Jeff Carr, Locked On Reds podcast. By the way, if you're wondering, um, ESPN graded all of the MLB off seasons. And if you're interested, Reds received an F. But this will be a more interesting uh, spring training because there are so many questions around this team. So there's your first deep dive into the Cincinnati Reds of 2023. Now we need to get to a break. And when we come back, let's turn it to you, our talkbackers. Talkbacks when we come back. Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.